Well, good morning and happy new year. Happy new year. Um, just, just, just to confirm that I am absolutely 100% depraved and um, not all there. Um, when Dr. Ray mentioned that he was wearing his Christmas shoes, um, did anybody else go to that song and wonder whether or not Dr. Ray is sick? And Janelle went to the store to buy him Christmas shoes. Am I the only one that thought that? I'm just curious. Um, so that just proves that I don't have a clue what's going on. Um, I just stand up here and make jokes. But um, I'm glad you've chosen to be with us this morning. And as we look forward and as we launch into 2015, um, before we get there, I think it's, it's appropriate for, um, for at least me, because of an accountability perspective, um, to stand before you and talk a little bit about 2014. And some of you may not remember, um, but a year ago, the first Sunday of January, I had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to share with you some goals that I had for 2014. I had some health goals that were related to articles of clothing I wanted to wear um, a year later. I failed miserably on those, so I'm not wearing any of that, um, but I'm hoping that this year will be different. Uh, but I also established some goals as it relates to reading and things that I wanted to be able to feed my mind and be mentally and, and um, intellectually more healthy. And so I had a goal to fill a basket full of books, and I had the basket out here Interestingly enough, I ended up reading most of my content on the iPad, so it didn't fill up the basket, but I do think we have a picture of the books that I read over the course of this year, and uh, you can see all of those. Um, one of my favorites is there in the bottom right-hand corner. It's a story about um, children and their disobedience and the pain and consequences that come with it. Um, you know, five little monkeys, um, they all got hurt. Um, they all didn't learn their lesson and kept jumping on the bed. Um, so you can tell that those bottom three I read with my girls. Those were my quickest reads, but the rest of them were books that I had the opportunity and privilege to be able to read this year. And so um, just from an accountability perspective, I wanted to come back and share with you um, what I failed and what I was able to achieve in this last year. And um, a lot of you throughout the course of the year would ask me, hey, how you doing on the reading? Hey, how you doing on the, on the eating? Um, I ate really, really well. Um, but the other side of it, you know, so... <laughs> You know, that wasn't the right question, but it was the right answer. So, um, so anyway, we, we turn our attention, we turn our focus, and we start looking at 2015 and, and what this year holds. And, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's kind of a new trend to not set resolutions, but instead to have a, a word, a, a single word that, that might define your year. And instead of establishing these things that we all break by the third week of January, but to, to have a word that's going to kind of guide our principle. And, and this year, I would encourage you and challenge you to think through one of two possible words. One might be purpose. Another one might be mission. But living your life with intentionality this year to fulfill the mission or the purpose that God has for your life. To live your life on mission. Maybe some of you have heard this Bible verse before. The wisest man who ever lived, named Solomon, wrote these words in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 29, 18, in the King James Version, and you may have heard this before, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. A better translation, because that's not the best translation you can find, but a better translation says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Now that sounds a little more true to what the, what the writer was trying to communicate, but it still may not connect with us. So here's a paraphrase to give us an idea as we look at what we're trying to do. Where there is no mission, people go off in their own direction. You can find this in a sports team. You can find this um, in your classroom. You can find this um, on your job. Where there's no mission, where there's no single purpose, where there's no guiding direction, people go off and try to accomplish their own thing. We're competitive by nature, so we want to do better than the next guy. We look at how we're going to do individually. 
But I believe that God wants us as a family to work together. And God has given us a mission and a vision and a purpose that we can all apply to our lives. And this morning we're starting a whole series looking at what can our mission be? What can our purpose be? Some of you may say, well, I already know what my mission is. I know what my purpose is. And for you specifically, you may have one that's totally different from me. And I say that's awesome and that's great. But for those who follow Christ, there's one general purpose that we have, that we've all been given, and that we want to look to pursue, especially in 2015. That is to live life on mission. To be about a mission and a purpose that's bigger than our own. And this morning what we want to do is look at the the Apostle Paul and the words that he wrote to a church in Corinth. So if you have a a Bible or an electronic device on your phone or whatever it may be, we've got the verses on your notes and we'll have them on the screens in a little bit. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, if you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you go to Paul's writings. It's right after 1 Corinthians. That's why it's called 2 Corinthians. The reality is is, is that Paul wrote multiple letters to the church at Corinth. He started this church, lived there about a year and a half. Um, He wrote a letter that we have 1 Corinthians to provide some correction. They didn't follow along. He wrote another letter that was kind of nasty and severe. He uses his own word and says severe. That letter's lost. But we have 2 Corinthians, which was kind of a follow-up. And notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Notice what he says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, and by extension, he's telling us, this is your mission, this is your purpose, to be an ambassador for Christ. To be able to say that we are ambassadors. That's our purpose. And as we talk about living life on mission, that's what we mean when we say live life on mission. Living a life that shows that we are an ambassador of Christ. So that's a nice fancy term and you know we're not going to give you, you know, like um, like your own flag. We're not going to give you a funny hat. We're not going to give you anything. We're just going to ask you to live every day as an ambassador for Christ. But you may have the question, well, what's an ambassador? You may kind of know what an ambassador is, but what is an ambassador? The first thing that an ambassador is, is he is he or she is a representative of the king, a representative of the sovereign of whatever state they come from. We have ambassadors from all around the world who come to the United States. We as a country, the United States of America, send ambassadors to other parts of the world. And they serve as a representative of the, the leader of that country, of that kingdom. You see, President Obama can't be everywhere all the time. So he sends out representatives, ambassadors, on his behalf as a representative to represent he and the interests of the USA. That's what an ambassador is. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. He says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Talking about God. You see, Paul says, I'm not doing what, I'm, what I do on my own. I'm not out here preaching the gospel. I'm not out here doing this. My job is to please God. That's what I live for. That's what I long for. And as an ambassador of Christ, my job is to please him. I'm not trying to please myself. So we understand the first thing we do is we represent the king. 
The second thing that an ambassador does is this. An ambassador lives far from home. Ambassadors are foreigners living far from home. Now, here in the U.S., they come and they stay in an embassy, and that embassy is a sovereign state, and it's their own, their own world, and we give them a piece of land in exchange for a piece of land in their foreign country, and we have our sovereign place over there. And that's why when an embassy is attacked overseas, we take it as an act of war on our country and all these things. But out and about, once they leave that compound, they are a foreigner living far from home. That's not their natural place. That that, that creates barriers of language, barriers of customs. That creates issues that might arise that it's not normal for, for that behavior. But for them, it is because that's what they would do at home. Notice what Paul says. In this whole passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul deals with this entire idea. So the entire chapter talks about it. Notice what he says in the first verse. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly body, is destroyed, we have a building far from God, or we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Notice what he says in verses 6 and 7. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, here on earth, we are away from the Lord, which is our home in heaven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul understands that this earthly body we have is our home, but it's a temporary home. And for those who know Christ and those who are Christ followers, our real home, our eternal home, is in heaven. And so that's the place that we call home. On Christmas Eve, just a couple weeks ago, um, immediately after the services, Amy and I got in the car, went home, we went to Amy's grandmother's, we picked up the girls, and we... Um, got on 95 North, and headed to Indiana. We drove straight through the night, 16 hours. We stopped three times for gas, and once for an incredible Christmas breakfast at Waffle House. That's another message in and of itself. The only thing I will tell you about this, and this is funny, it has nothing to do with the message, but this is free today. So, So we're in the middle of Tennessee, right? And it's like, and they're an hour behind, so it's 5 o'clock in the morning to them, and and they aren't the happiest people in the world, but there's like three or four customers or anything. And the service wasn't that great, but, I mean, what do you expect, right? Um, And the food was even worse than the service, but again, what do you expect on Christmas at 5 o'clock in the morning? And we're all a little groggy, and we're all, you know, the girls are fired up, but Amy and I are a little, you know, out of it. I'm walking out, and the cook, and you know, if you've been to a Waffle House, they stand behind the counter, right? And as I'm walking out, the cook goes, hey, buddy. And I'm thinking, oh, deliverance, please. <laughs> and, the guy, and I look at him, and he goes, hey, it's all about the you. And I look down, and I'm wearing a Miami sweatshirt. And I'm like, here I am in the middle of Tennessee, and this guy's like, it's all about the you. I was like, Merry Christmas. Um, and that had nothing to do with anything. So, so anyway, we're on this trek, and we're going, and, and we make it to Indiana, and that's where I'm from, and we had a great time with my family, and, and it was a lot of fun, and got to spend Christmas with them, and the girls got to see their grandparents, and it was just a great, great time. We get in the car on the way back, and we drive back to Orlando, and we spend a couple of days with Amy's mom, and just had a great time um, and, 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 and experiencing home with them. Then we drive back to West Palm. We get into our home in Lake Worth. We get all the luggage put in. We sit down for dinner, and I look at Amy, and I say, I'm so glad I'm home. 
Kevin Mahoney, a friend of mine, told me this a really, really long time ago. It doesn't matter how far you go or how long you're there. The destination is always home. You see, we're foreigners living in a foreign land. And our home is heaven. And we won't be home until we get there. The song we just sang, And Lord, haste the day when you will come. When, we're, when our faith is no longer sight, that's when we'll be home. So we are foreigners living in a place that we have to call home because that's where our dwelling is, but it's not our real home. We're living far from home. So we've seen what an ambassador is. What does an ambassador do? And as I've looked and I've studied and I remembered middle school social studies, there are three things that I kind of recalled as it relates to what an ambassador does. The first thing that an ambassador does is, is they protect the interest of the king. They protect the interest of the king. Part of an ambassador's job is to make sure that nothing is going to happen that violates their own sovereign state's interests. Another thing that an ambassador does is it promotes the agenda of the king. Not only are they there to protect, but they're also to make sure that what we're interested in and what we long for and hope for becomes a part of what you want and what you hope for. And the third thing that an ambassador does is they educate others about home. They inform people. They teach people about their customs. They teach people about things that they would do in their homeland, things that, that are important to them and, and customs and practices that they do. But notice in all of those, there's no selfish ambition. There's no selfish pursuit in any of those. Their mission is not about their own agenda, their own process, their own customs. Their agenda is to push, promote, encourage, teach, and get other people to understand the king's purpose. As ambassadors for Christ, it's the same thing. We're here, left behind, to communicate this message that God has for people. We are his ambassadors, left here to do those things on his behalf. But another question you might have is, okay, that's great, but how do we actually do that? How do we serve in our role as an ambassador? The first thing that an ambassador does is it's in their behavior, in their character. You see, what is on the inside manifests itself on the outside. So what you believe and how you feel plays out in what you do. And so our behavior should communicate a certain character that's within us that communicates the message of the king. Another thing is customs. Specific practices that, that you would do as an ambassador communicates this is what would happen at home. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 12 and 13, notice what he says. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. For we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul is talking about the way they live and the way they think. The things that they do communicates a message. And he says, we're not doing this so that you can boast on our own part. We're doing this so that you can boast on God. Because it's not about us. The way in which we live our lives is a reflection of the king that we serve. For we are his ambassadors. 
So what's the impact of this? What does this look like for Christ followers? Think about customs. What are customs that Christ followers do? They go to church, maybe sing worship songs, they pray, perhaps they read the Bible. Things that you do, specific practices that somebody on the outside who doesn't understand, someone who thinks you're a foreigner, would look at you and say, why do you do that? Why do you get up on a Sunday morning, a day in which you could sleep in, and why do you go gather with a bunch of people, and at the end of it, give all your money to them? Why do you do those things? You see, those are foreign customs. Those are foreign practices. To us, that's home. That's natural. That's what we do. To them, it's different. But when we do it, we're communicating the message of the king. As Christians, what do we do? We, we, we stand up to tell the truth. We, we, we try, not to, not, try not to fall into areas of, of moral sin. We try to, try to live a life above reproach, right? Well, how come you won't do Why won't you cheat on your taxes? Why won't you lie on that expense report? Why won't you go to that particular place with me after work? Why won't you do that? Well, well, because I, it's just, it's not right for me. It's not what I believe in. It's not. Now your character and your behavior comes out and it manifests itself. And to people on the outside, they don't get it. Why? Because you're a foreigner living in a foreign land. And it doesn't make sense to them. But as ambassadors, how we live helps to communicate the interests of the king. But there's more than just the way in which we live. There's also what we say. It's also important to realize that the message of the ambassador is important. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. He says, making his appeal, God's appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul just spent a few verses talking about the way in which they live and the way that people can observe the way in which they live. But he brings it to a conclusion and he says, this is all fine and good. This is great. I'm glad you live this way. I'm glad that you're out there and I'm glad you have the bumper sticker and the fish and I'm glad that you only eat at Chick-fil-A and I'm glad you do all these things. But until you actually share verbally what you're doing, you're falling short. He says, we implore you, we beg you, on behalf of God, we're making our appeal to you. It's the message. So the question is, is well, what's the message? What is the message that we're supposed to share? As an ambassador of Christ, what message are we supposed to communicate? The message in one word is this, reconciliation. Reconciliation. That's what the message is. Paul just said it. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he just said, be reconciled to God. Well, what's reconciliation? Reconciliation, you have it in relationships. When, when two sides are at odds and when they come together, what do they do? They reconcile their differences. They determine that their differences are going to be set aside so that they can be a relationship again. You think about it, you reconcile your bank statement. You take all the money that you spent and everything the bank says that you spent and you put them together to make sure that they line up so that there's no issues. That's what reconciliation is. And that's our message. And why is this message important? Notice what Paul wrote to the church um, in, in Colossians chapter one. In Colossians chapter one, he says, and you who were once alienated from God and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now 
reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present, it's an interesting place for a hyphenation, but that's the way we rolled around here, present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Paul says that we were at odds with God, but through Christ Jesus, we were reconciled. That's reconciliation. And if you could put the gospel all the way down and boil it down, Paul eventually is going to tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 what that message is. But why is it so important for us to communicate this message? Why is it critical and and what does it mean for us as we talk about reconciliation? It's important because the first thing we have to understand is that reconciliation restores to us a right relationship with God. Because we were alienated with God, when we're reconciled, we now have a right relationship with God. There is nothing that you can do, you can't work, you can't earn it. At the end of the day, there's not a scale of good and bad. And if the good outweighs the bad, then God says, great, I love you, come on in. The reality is it's because of what Christ has done. The free gift of grace, if we accept and believe that Jesus Christ is the one, the only one, through whom we can find eternal life. If we believe and confess. And when that happens, the second thing that's important, it gives us new life. No longer are we old, but we now have a new life. Paul puts it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right before he tells us to be ambassadors. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And in verse 21, we have a summary of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The reconciliation, what this whole book boils down to in one sentence. For our sake, he made him to be sin, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because you and I, paraphrasing, because you and I were sinners on our behalf, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, took on my sin, took on your sin, so that in exchange for that we can have the righteousness of God. That's the message. Of reconciliation. That's what this whole thing is. And Paul says, you are ambassadors of Christ. This is your message. Make this appeal to others. That's what living on mission is all about. That's what living with purpose should be. Just out of curiosity, does anybody here know, um, some of you know me, some of you are getting to know me, anybody here know where I went to college? Why are you laughing? It's a genuine question. Anybody know? Just curious. I didn't go to Miami. Come on. No. Anybody know? Nobody knows? Butler. Wow, you guys are all smart. Now, how did you know I went to Butler? Because I have a shirt on, right? Anybody else? Have I ever talked about that I went to Butler? Maybe periodically. Um, have I ever talked about some of the activities I did at Butler and, or anything like that? T- tell me what you know about Butler. They have a good basketball program. Anything else? They're the Bulldogs. 
Oh, well, it's up there, so you just cheated, so that didn't count. What else do you know about Butler? It's in Indiana. Any other things? So basically, all you know is that Butler plays basketball in Indiana. Okay. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about Butler. In 1855, a guy named Ovid Butler started a, a school. And the name of the school was Northwest Christian University. And he started this, and tuition at the time was $30 a year. Private school, Christian school, connected to the Christian Theological Seminary, which is still in Indianapolis. And it started in downtown Indianapolis. Over the course of time, after, after Mr. Butler passed away, the university was renamed after him, and that's how it became Butler University. That happened in the 1870s. It went on to become a, a private liberal arts college. It kind of severed its ties with the Christian church, but it has continued to serve the community. Every single student, before they graduate from Butler University, is required to spend a semester doing community service in the city of Indianapolis. It's about five miles from downtown. Every single business major um, that goes to Butler is required to do two internships. Both of them have to be paid, and in both of them, you have to find a problem with the company and fix it. Why do they do that? Because when you graduate, then you know how to work in the real world. 96% of the 2013 graduates graduated and had a job within three months. 96%. Of course, you may have heard of the Butler basketball program, went to the national championship, been there twice in the last four years, um, different things. Butler's, there, there's a thing called the Butler Way, and it talks about humility and unity. It talks about servanthood. It talks about the commitment to excellence. And all these things tell you a little bit about Butler. Before today, you didn't know anything about it other than it existed. I graduated class 1996. It's crazy to think that it's been almost 20 years since I graduated from college. I'm getting old. Okay, My facial hair gives that away. Butler is near and dear to me. And if I ever have an opportunity to steer anybody towards going to school, I will tell them to go to Butler. I wouldn't trade my education for anything. I had some opportunities to go other places, but I wouldn't give away what I had the opportunity to do while in school. Graduated with a degree in international management and Spanish, and here I am today working at a church. I don't know how, that's a different story, but I love Butler University. You see, I can wear a shirt, and I can tell you that I went to Butler, and I can tell you a little bit about what I did, the activities I did while I was at Butler. And you can walk away and say, hey, Brent went to Butler. That's neat. That's nice. But today, I have assumed the role of an ambassador. As I have shown you not only the way I live by wearing a shirt, but I've also shared with you about Butler, about the history of the school, about the success of the school, about the mission and the purpose of the school. There'll be admissions counselors in the lobby afterwards to sign you up. Not really, but if I could have swung it, I would have. But today I've become an ambassador of the university. Why? Because I love it, because it's a part of who I am, and because it's important. We do the same things in our Christian journey. People may know they go to PBCC. People may know that you 
attend church on Sundays. You may even tell people some of the activities. I'm in a growth group or I'm in a group of people. I'm in a Bible study. People may know some of the activities that you participate in at PBCC. But are you an ambassador for Christ and his mission and his purpose? The way in which you live, they may look and say, they're different. They, 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 they must be a, quote, Christian. They, they live their lives just a little bit different than me. That's good that they see that. But have they heard the message of reconciliation? Have they heard the message that Christ died for them so that they could have eternal life? Have you been an ambassador? Have I been an ambassador? I make it known, you can have the, the bumper stickers and you can have the t-shirts and you can have the pens and you can do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, have we also shared the message of reconciliation? That he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can have the righteousness of God placed on us. There's a difference between people knowing what you do and who you are. You can do church, you can do Christianity, but are you an ambassador of Christ? You see, if there's one word that we want to talk about, we want to encourage you to pursue in 2015, it's purpose or mission. Let's live 2015 with a purpose and on mission as we move forward as a family of Christ followers seeking to make his name famous in gardens, Palm Beach County, South Florida, and around the world. Would you pray with me this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed, this morning you may not come to church regularly. This may be new to you. It may be a little different. This morning you have heard the message of hope and love and sacrifice that God gives to you that he sent his one and only son because he loved you, that if you believe in him, you can have eternal life, that you can no longer have to worry about being an enemy of God, but you can be a friend of God, you can have a relationship with him, and you can experience all the hope that comes through him. And if you've never heard that message or you've heard it before, but today there's a tug on your heart that it means something extra, today I invite you to invite Christ to come in your life to surrender to him and to give to him all that you are, all that you have, all that you hope to be. And ask Christ to be the Lord of your life. To ask him to be your king so that you can be his ambassador. And if you've never done that, I encourage you, just in the quietness of this moment, in the stillness of your heart, if you would just pray something along the lines of, God, I believe. I believe that you love me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus because I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again on the third day, and I believe that whoever calls upon you will be saved. God, help me to be an ambassador. Help me to live for you. For others, maybe there's been a point in your life when you've prayed something along those lines. And you would call yourself a Christ follower. Today I ask you to become an ambassador. To take it one step further. To go to that place that says not only with the way I live, but with what I say. 
And this year, this year will be the year that I live on purpose. This will be the year that I live on mission. Heavenly Father God, I pray that you'd help us. Help us as a, as a church family, Lord, just to be an everyday missionary. In everything we do and every place we go and everything that, 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 that every relationship we have and every interaction that takes place, God, help us to be an ambassador. Help us to be a missionary. God, help us to, to live a life and to communicate a message of love and hope and reconciliation. God, help us to live this year for your honor and for your glory. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.